Blog Talk Radio. There's a direct relationship between having the businesses and being in prison. Go find an Asian, see how many Asians you can find in American prisons. They ain't going to be in there. But 51% of your prison will be black because you don't, blacks don't have any businesses and industries. There's a direct link. Blacks won't practice group economics. Blacks won't practice group politics. If you don't practice, you're setting yourselves up. I told that five-story building, you're setting yourself to get wiped out. Understand the nature of race, which is economics. If you, if you build the first floor, it's economic. Build your businesses and your industries. Control buildings and industry, and put that pools in your money. And hold that money. And, it's a, and practice group economics <clears throat> with it. Arab and Asian money bounces 12 or 13 times for at least. Jewish money bounces 18 times. Black folk got to learn how to practice group economics. Black Americans spend every penny they get outside their own community. Then you take the money and the wealth that you get from that first floor and go to the second floor. The second floor is politics. You then take that money on the first floor and you control your politics. Black folk must quit allowing people to tell them to go out and vote. Vote for what? Nobody's going to do anything for black folk in politics. Politics is controlled by money. Major corporations who got the money. That's what controls politics. If you have no money, you have no say-so, you have no benefits coming. So you take your money and you control and you take your money on the first floor, you buy every politician on the second floor. And any politician you can't buy, you rent or lease them to get what you need. Then once you get the second floor under control with the politician, with your money, then you go to the third floor. The third floor is then is the police department and the court system. You take your money from the first floor and your politics on the second floor and you control the court system and the police department. Then the fourth floor, you t- the fourth floor then is media. You then take the money that you generate off the first floor from business and industries <clears throat> and you go after radio stations, TV stations, newspapers, and cable systems so that you can now inform and communicate with your own people. Right now, <clears throat> black folk only control less than 35 thousandths of 1% of the media in the United States. Out of 12,000 radio stations, black folk own about something like about 75 or 80. That's all. You own no cable systems. You don't have a daily newspaper. You have nothing of importance. You don't. You got about one black TV station. And you, so you can't communicate with your people. You can't inform your people. You can't do anything. You can have Rush Limbaugh and all the rest of the guys talking about racism all day long and bad-mouthing you and O'Reilly. They can talk, call black folk all kind of names all day long. What are you going to do? You can't respond. You can't even communicate with your own people because you, you don't have an economic base. 51% of all the prisons in the United States are black people. You know, even though you only make up 12% of the population. That's no accident. It's because you don't control the economics and the politics. And they're going to go after the weakest people they can get their hands on to incarcerate them. That's the black folk. And what are you going to do in response to them when they, when they, when they over incarcerate you? You're going to go out and have a march, a demonstration. We're going to march. March for what? Who cares? Marches they never changed anything. Oh! 
by paying Adam's rent, even providing her furniture. Adam says it isn't enough. Somebody needs to pay for all my children and my and Gary, all our suffering, all our Somebody needs to be held accountable and they need to pay. DCF Regional Director Nick Cox wanted to see for himself the situation that Adams now finds herself in. I know there's some help that's been coming your way, but what I'm concerned about right now is I want to make sure, number one, that for, the, for, for right now, you know, all of you and your kids don't belong in that one room. Tonight, Angel Adams and her 12 children are in a much better place after Nick Cox, who is the regional director of the Department of Children and Families, got involved. He found a temporary home at a kid's place in Brandon for the family. DCF says they will sit down with Adams and a team of case management workers to determine the best way to move forward to help her. What's up? I'm Carrie. And I'm Didi. And this is the Carrie and Didi Show. What's up, people? So, as the week goes by, you just think you've heard and seen everything. Mm -mm. But not us. Nope. <laughs> Never. This is a lady in Florida. She has 15 children, three of which are young adults. And, and the others are minors. Minors. Small little babies and stuff. She was evicted from her home, and she had been living in a hotel, motel, with her all of her kids. twelve children. Her <laughs> her fiance. Well, he was in jail, so was put in jail. So he, you know, this whole fiance. Which, like okay, right. <laughs> so I guess she had three fiancés, right? Because the three baby daddies. So I guess yeah. each one of them was the fiance at some point. Anyway, moving right <clears throat> along. Moving <laughs> right along. So the news, somehow the news team comes to her apartment, to her hotel room, motel room, mm -hmm. and um, they're doing, uh, I guess, a um, expose or maybe just a, you know, reach out for help type thing. You know, news right. on your side or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was good until it got to the point where she got up and proclaimed that someone needs to pay for her. 12 children that she had with her fiance. With her fiance? Child, let me tell you something. <laughs> when I heard this lady, and I'm going to be straight to the point. When I heard this lady, well, I was watching it, until, and when it got to the point where she said, somebody going to pay, see all all my kids? Somebody going somebody gonna to pay for my, somebody going to take care of my kids? I was outdone. I'm like, have really? Have you lost your mind for real? You going to have 15 kids and you think it's somebody else's responsibility to take care of your kids, the kids that you had, you and whoever the fathers are had? That's just, that's that's ridiculous to me. It is not nobody else's responsibility to take care of your kids. Really, like that, that is just ridiculous. You decided to have these children. Now, the insult to the injury is this. They did. Florida, state of Florida, did attempt to take care of her children and her. And when they got to the shelter, um, the woman decided that she didn't want the jargon of house mother for the the, the lady who's over the house for the state for the children to call her house mother or something like that. So she goes and cusses the, the social worker, yeah. the house mother, out. 
and she gets kicked out of the whole situation. Yeah. Now, I don't know what her job no, was, or if she had a job, or if, right. you know, it kind of fell apart when her fiance went to jail. Went to jail. One of them, I guess. I don't know because she said herself that she was doing fine until before they got involved. But got how involved. do you know that's like, the how, truth? Like, because they, fine they how? Because it's like, yeah, it's like. <laughs> You have 12 kids in this um, hotel room, mm -hmm. no shoes, no food, no clothes, food and you're saying that everybody should be responsible for them, but then when everybody decides to be responsible for them, you decide that that's not good enough, and and everybody should be taking care of your children and you, and with 15 kids, it's 2011, you haven't worked since 95. So it's it's like I don't get it. I, I really don't see it. I don't see where you put in that kind of money to the system to be leaning on the system that way. I mean, well, like I said, like you know, I feel like when you are you like you know if you're getting government assistance and this and this is no shade to nobody, but it's just the truth. People get used to getting that. If you never worked and you was given, you know government, you know, uh, welfare, you know, and you never had a job, you get used to getting, even though it's a little money, you get used to getting that money and you're not used to going out and, and working a job. So when your welfare, you know, you, is, is jeopardized, you feel like somebody owes you something because you're not really used to working. When people aren't used to working and used to somebody giving it, and that could be anybody. I mean, your kids can grow up in another situation, but where they're spoiled and when their parents just gave, giving them everything, they never had to work for anything. So when they grow up, they're used to somebody giving, they feel entitled. And that's what it is. You feel entitled that to the government, that the government should pay for you and take care of you. But that's that, it should, you should not do that. You should get up and work. Everybody gotta work. You know, whether you start your own business, whether you, whatever, you selling your own business, selling candy on the street, whatever you, Avon, I mean, you, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever you, what people consider hustle, if that's your own thing, at least you're not dependent on the government for, to take care of you. I just feel bad for the kids because I feel like all these, these little kids, I'm, you know, I have a, you know, I'm sensitive to the little children because I have small children and it's like, the kids are the ones who have to suffer for not having. I don't know this lady's history. I don't know if she had any dealings with drugs, but apparently it's something because they thought she was pregnant again. And there because was, she was showing somebody in somebody the around. Life. Yeah, so maybe she was doing that for some money. I don't know, but why else would you be doing that? And it's like, what's going on where you can't, you know, the fathers aren't around not taking care of their responsibilities, but it's not the government's responsibility uh -huh. to take it to fully just take care of you and your your family and another thing look if you do have to get government assistance okay fine but the first thing i should have heard this lady say was you know what my kids don't have any food i need to find some way of getting I need, so I can, can anyone help me find a job can someone help me get to get a job because i need to keep my kids i want to take care of my kids that's what i should have heard not that somebody else owes you complete, something. Yeah, completely responsible for your choices. That there is the part that got me. And, and instead of her asking for help, like, can I? Can somebody help me find a job? Where can I get some work because I need to take care of my kids? And I think people will be more willing to help you when you're looking to get help for yourself. But if you just say somebody else completely responsible for your for your choices, that's bull, right well, there. Well, 
the the health worker came down and said that he was going to take care of the children. But she must have some other issues. But she has some other mental some issues. issues. Yeah. And see, we were... I'm just she looking at it issues. saying that I understand where you are, but nobody owes you anything. No, Especially no. at, at no. 15 children. No. It's, it's like 15 children. You can have one man. 15 children, at some point, you got to realize that we have gone beyond the, the, the point of repair where we can actually take care of these kids. So... Three, I'm not saying three slip season and you know on the go, but 15. That means that one, you haven't worked at all in 15 years, and two, you've decided that the government should pay for you to have your good time. Now, look, I understand what you're saying as far as okay, when you pay in society, if you work for 20, 30 years, and you fall on hard times, you lose your job or something like that. And, I get hurt on or you job. get hurt, and you you know you need help from the government. But I think you sh- I think you are entitled to that help because I think you're not just leaning on the government. You 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 actually had you actually worked and you actually had a problem and you needed some assistance because if you know for that time so you get yourself back on your feet. But just sitting around and you know just saying somebody is completely responsible for me. I don't think none of us can actually you know do that. You can't just decide you want. However many children or no children, some people feel like somebody owes them something. No. You're um, able by that. Nothing looked like nothing was wrong with her to me. Nothing seemed like she just seemed like she was disabled. Maybe some mental problems. I think she but got I don't full see. of herself and thought that all oh, these cameras are on me, so somebody well, owes me. Nobody owes you anything. But I don't really and think people, anybody owes anybody and, anything unless that you haven't worked. Or exactly, and then your children, which I think is good that they are helping the kids because those kids are different. Yes, yeah, she's she's you not know, a part of the help yeah, anymore. The kids, the because kids those are. kids didn't ask for that. That I mean, she brought them here. They don't, you know, kids are innocent. They don't know what they're coming into, and it's just sad when she said they didn't have the food. And, and then she thinking, doesn't want to go through anything because they're like, all right, she, you cuss everybody out. So what we want is for if you see your kids, you have to have. Um, a psychiatrist there with you. Somebody to, to, to go with us. To go with but you. But she's at yeah, I don't want to do it. Look, you have to go through something. You've already had a good time. Yes, so much sweet dick that is amazing. There's 15 children involved. Now you need to go through something to get them back. She said you she have did. to. You have to get up and go work. Your fiance has to get out of jail because 10 of the kids are his. And where is he? Jail. Like, when is he getting out? Like, because he needs to hurry up and get out of jail so he can go and find a way to um try to get his kids, too. Like, why? It's, you know, it's like that is your responsibility, too. Like, so it's just so stupid. But I look to each his own. You want to live your life like that? Those I feel bad for those kids. You know, you don't know if those kids are how long they're going to all be in foster care together because that could change. But the kids just yes, split 15 up. Of them. Yeah. I think nobody wants you know, to take 15 foster children at one time. At the house. moment, they're in this 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 um this foster care where it actually it can house big yeah. up the house all the kids but for how how long are they going to be able to stay there before you know as they get older they split them all up and they all just everywhere and where is she going to be it's like woman if you really want to get your kids back and do what's right you're going to get your shit together go find you a job first off find you a place a stable place for these kids if you start doing that, people will want to help you because they're looking out for the kids, really, more than anything. Because that's how I would be. I'll be looking out for the kids more more than anything. And it's like, I just couldn't do it. I, and when she said they didn't have no food, I couldn't help but wonder how long the kids been in there without no food. Yeah. Like, how long? Like, really? Yeah. 
I saw the little baby and stuff. I just, I just feel bad for the kids. And I, you know, it's a lot of this. And I don't feel happen. bad for the adult because you made these you decisions. You made these decisions, so now you, fix it. It's somebody like, should not be responsible not for decisions that you exactly. made. It's nobody you know, else's responsibility. If you made some bad decisions, you need to be able to stand up and say, I need to fix these decisions yeah. that I made. And you shouldn't have been there cussing those people out. No, First off, not the have, people that's trying to help you. You're having 15 kids, you got them. But you shouldn't have been in there cussing those people out, and you should have taken that that help and used it as opposed to wanting it your way. You didn't have it your way a lot. Baby, but I hope she gets together for those kids' sake. But, but I just love how people are, man. She just would trip me out, baby. And, and, I was and your head never come when somebody's making those That's, not, that's not how she wanted it, Carrie. That's how she wanted it, so... People could feel sorry and stuff. Somebody's yeah. gonna take care of this. Oh, you fucking kidding me? Really? And I was, I could have, yeah. I could have fell out my chair and, and, and fucking passed out when I heard this lady. Yeah, I don't like to hear a lot of things. So man. when she's listening to these things, I kind of be in another room. You rush out the room, but because I, just, I, I don't want to hear. You I know, it's like I don't want to hear you make that kind of. Point. Why is somebody? It's else? like the tram thing. I couldn't sit there and watch the whole thing. I walk out the room because it's like why? <laughs> it can't why? do that. Why is somebody else? I, I couldn't. I was just outdone, child. I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. This lady blew me out. I had a headache after she said that. Because I was like, are you fucking serious? Are you serious? Are you serious? Somebody going to take care of mine. Really? You. You should be the one taking care of them. And yeah. the, man, the man who you had sex with and got these kids. Where y'all at? Like, I just, I'm all done. I don't understand that for the life of me. Like, seriously. I know, look, everybody having a hard time. People out here don't have jobs who've been working for years and lost their jobs and stuff and, tr and getting unemployment just to, you know, keep their lives going, uh, trying to take care of their own sure, families. Uh, and accident uh, and, yeah, and on these the job people, and hurt yourself. And these people work. Not. They put into society and then they either lost their job or got injured on their job. And they, I, that's not where I'm going. It's like, how are you gonna sit down and and proclaim that somebody need to take care of you and all your kids? When I I don't hear you say nothing. One thing about job, I didn't hear nothing about she lost her job or you know something like she got laid off something or whatever. I didn't. Hear, she they didn't were very nothing. kind not to give all that information. Like what like, is it? Like what what? Because usually you have that information. It's like people are very kind to you. Because they would have give, gave, you know, expose your whole team. And then at the same time, if you people were, you know, Dallas or, or the you know, your whole team would have been exposed, and then, then we have more shit to say. But and then she had people helping her with her rent mm -hmm. already. What happened with that? Maybe you screwed that over, and then people, you know, people can only help you so much in different organizations. From what we heard, yeah. was helping her. It's like, it's like no, she gave me no choice but to just be like. Bitch, oh, you have you lost your mind? Seriously, like, cause I normally I don't like going there out with people, but this was just I just was just I was done, child. Y'all have a good one, and mm -hmm. we are wrapping up. This Take year. a look at the video. We're gonna <laughs> yeah, we're gonna the post the link to the to the video so y'all can watch it. Tell us what you think about it, because I really think it was when she said I was like, baby, girl, bye, girl, boom. Boom, pow, fucking <laughs> bye, everything you can think of. Y'all have a good one, and uh, we'll see you in a couple days. Bye. All right, you just heard a rant by a couple uh, expressing um, 
well, their point of view on Angel Adams. Today's podcast is titled Angel Adams versus Angel Adams Family LLC, Limited Liability, uh, which uh, LLC is Limited Liability Company. Live stream number 619-768-2945 for the people just tuning in. If you don't know who a Angel Adams is, a young lady out of Tampa, Florida, Tampa Bay area, that has, at last count, 17 children, and uh, there's a soundbite uh, saying that somebody needs to be held accountable for her and all her children. And then there's a bunch of response videos on YouTube about, well, just like you just heard. So today's podcast, I'm looking at Angel Adams differently because I'm looking at not Angel Adams, but her potential. That's why we titled this podcast Angel Adams versus Angel Adams, Angel Adams Family, LLC, or Angel Adams, Inc. The next audio we're going to play is how you or anybody listening, particularly Angel Adams, can start a lawn care business and make $485. Now, as you list a day, and that's one person. Angel Adams has 17 children. Imagine multiplying $485 times $17, I mean 17 people in a day. Hey, this is Jason Creel. I want to take a minute and walk through what a normal day in the lawn care business can look like and talk to you about how much money you can make um, in a day working by yourself. And I'm basing this off, not, not hypothetical, but what I actually do in one day um, in this year. So uh, I moved to a new city. I'm trying to build uh, mostly a fertilization weed control company, but I am doing a little bit of mowing. And so uh, I'm showing you what I can make one day a week mowing grass. And I'm, what I have is my actual schedule for one day a week. And uh, I'm going to go through it yard by yard, tell you a little bit about it, how much I charge, and just to show you realistically what a person can make mowing grass. Now I understand that you know prices can vary from state to state based on the area you live in, how much competition there is, how nice the homes are. Um, but you know I'm here in Alabama, not in a you know particularly great area. I mean it's nice but it's not super rich wealthy customers by any means and so um, so anyway, let me uh, show you what my day looks like, and uh, maybe that will be an encouragement to you to show you that, hey, you can make money in the lawn business, and this is one day a week, you picture it being a full week, uh, and, it, and it can really add up. So, all right, so it, it is a fairly long day, not terribly long, but I start on this particular day at 6 o'clock in the morning. The reason being, I have a, a little two office buildings that I go to first, and I like to get in there and get out before people show up at work at 8 o'clock. And so I get there at 6, takes me about an hour and 20 minutes to mow these two small office buildings side by side, um, and that, that pays $75. So I do those, I come home, I'm usually home by 7.30, 
uh, eat breakfast and you know kind of get ready for the day and then I'm uh, back out at 8 because I don't like getting in the morning traffic so I, I typically wait till 8 o'clock to dodge the traffic so so I got those two office buildings then I drive I've got about a 15 minute drive to the next neighborhood in which I have four houses in this neighborhood these are small homes um, I have two homes I do first they're $35 each and then I have I go to another street in the same neighborhood where they're actually townhomes uh, connected together and I have two just tiny yards one of them does not even have a backyard um, so for their front yard I just charge them $20 and the next door neighbor I charge $30 because they have uh, they have front and backyard so uh, so that's those four yards in that neighborhood I drive uh, you know 15 minutes back to the town that I live in um, I have another $30 yard it's real small uh, it's the only yard I have in that neighborhood leave that neighborhood go have another town home that's $30 um, these yard these $30 yards take me maybe 30 minutes to do total I mean in and out so um, anyway it, it thirty dollars is cheap but they're they're so easy and I can do them so fast so uh, then I got another yard here uh, another fairly small yard is thirty five dollars again in a separate neighborhood um, then I have two larger yards in separate neighborhoods but fairly close together they're fifty dollars each then I have a uh, another yard that is $40 and then I have one final yard that is $55 that you know both those last two yards take about 45 minutes to you know maybe an hour on a bad day so um, the, the $55 I just charge a little more because it's on a slope the backyard's got a pretty steep hill on it so um, anyway so if you add all that up uh, that is 12 yards in one day which may sound like a lot working by yourself and it is a fairly lot but a fairly decent amount but you're looking at really small yards um, like I said those two townhomes side by side I mean it probably takes me 30 minutes to do those together you know some of these a lot of these yards are 30 minutes in and out I mean and the larger ones are not huge I mean I don't, I don't know that I have a single yard on here that would take an hour and that's just me working by myself you add this all up comes up to four hundred and eighty five dollars for the day um, which is a pretty good day in my opinion um, and and like I said that's just me working uh, by myself and and what I want to give you hope on is that this is a not an efficient route it's not like I've got you know eight yards on the same street and I'm just going through there knocking them out I mean I'm, I'm really driving a lot more than I would like to. Uh, like I said, first year in a new town, I'm, it's not, I don't have them jammed in there and I'm really not looking to get a whole lot of mowing customers. So even with an inefficient route, um, and yes, I start at six in the morning, but I can be home by four o'clock. So, you know, and that's me stopping and, and, you know, I stop and eat breakfast. I don't necessarily stop for lunch. I just sort of eat on the road, but um, you know, not not an easy day, not a real short day, but not a not a killer day either. And you make four hundred eighty five dollars. Um, and, and like I said, I'm not I'm not charging outrageous price. I mean, are you looking at thirty dollars for all these long thirty five dollars? Um, so, 
It's not not because I'm charging some premium price. So if you look at that $485, well, let's say you did that, you know, every day of the week. Then now you're looking at you you know $2,400 for the week, and if you multiply that by a month, you're getting right around $10,000 a month. Um, and like I said, that that's inefficient. That's working by yourself. So you can picture if you had a helper um, and you you know, are able to not do 12 yards, you're able to do 20 yards with a helper, or, or you know, maybe you, you keep growing and you have multiple helpers and you crew and all that. You, I'm just giving you a picture of what the money can be like. Uh, it doesn't mean there's not uh, challenges to it, if the equipment doesn't break, that, you know, it's, it's not all profit, but most of it is, especially working by yourself, because you have almost no cost other than the fuel. Um, so, Anyway, I, I hope that's an encouragement to you, whether you're trying to build a lawn business. Um, uh, you you got to get the customers, you know. If you don't have the customers, you're not going to make much of anything. So you have to get the customers. But even if you're just doing this on the side, I mean, if I just went out on a Saturday and I just needed extra money and I could go out and make $485 on a Saturday or, you know, I spread it out and did it, you had a, a part, you know, another job and you were just mowing lawns part-time. I'm just saying it's pretty good money. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at close to $50 an hour just mowing grass and, and, like I said, not killing myself at all. Just a full day, but not not a day that you can't handle. So I uh, hope that's encouragement to you. You know, as always, appreciate your comments. Tell me, you know, if you do better or worse. Does that sound realistic? Like I said, this isn't hypothetical. This is my real-life schedule, what I make in a day. Hope that helps. Thanks. Today's podcast, once again, is titled Angel Adams versus Angel Adams Family, LLC, 619-768-2945. All right, Angel Adams, at last count, had 17 children. And then with her and her husband, that's um, 19 people. I would take, instead of going to the government with social services, and she needs to be educated in this. I'm, I'm, I don't want to troll. We're talking about solutions. Uh, she's got the 17 children. I'm looking at them, all right, let's all put them to work, all right? 17 children, let's look at, um, now, first thing, let's say she knows nothing about the lawn care business. Matter of fact, it's two businesses, and I think that would be great for her to start Lawn care and housekeeping. Let's, let's start with the lawn care. Now, you just heard a guy who's a lone wolf, and he does $485 a day by himself. All right. So let's multiply 485 times 19 people. That's $9,215 in a day, four, over $46,000 in a week, five-day week over $184,000 in a month, okay? What I would do is her and, let's say, the four eldest children get on YouTube, watch videos, and then reach out to people just like this, 
You don't need to go to Harvard or Yale or a community college to learn how to make money. The social services are the social services government had, including the supervisor, or whatever. They're not making four hundred and eighty-five dollars a day. So they really, as you heard at the beginning of her story, all her troubles. Now we don't know the complete backstory. Started when the government got involved, and what we're about to talk about. Matter of fact, what that. What the landscaper, what the solo landscaper just told us on, on here on on its mouth, how to earn eight, I mean four eighty five a day. No social work. Well, I've never heard of a social worker that because if they knew how to make four hundred eighty five dollars a day, they would quit their job being a government hat. But then that's a whole nother podcast. All right. So you got nineteen people in the household, and. Um, like I said, that in in the course of a month you got over one hundred and eighty four thousand dollars. Now, most of your your people right now are little kids, so I would take the four old the four el maybe the uh, all right the four eldest take one along with Angel, and they're the secretary or administrative uh, assistant, and they basically run the business. They're the, they're the brain trust. Mind you, they're going to need some help from a, from a mentor. Take take the word. Well, there's a gazillion people that you can just get on YouTube without even going to Facebook. And you go to Facebook, there's probably 5,000 other people that can be great mentors to you in, in this business or, or the um, the housekeeping business. So you, you get those, it, 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 and they'll help. A lot of these people will help you through. You can do a partnership. All right. Then you got the next three elders. You're going to need a sales and marketing team because, like the guy said, you're going to have to have accounts. You're going to have to have accounts. All right. So you have these other three children. Maybe add one more child because she's got 17 of them. And that's just marketing and sales force. They go out and get it. Now, most of the kids are not old enough to cut grass and do yard work and that type of thing. That's all right because you get the ones, you have another uh, maybe one or two children, you know, you might have to double duty here, all right, and then have them go out and partner with other landscapers. That's another way you can pick up accounts. And in addition to that, hire day labor. And there's a lot of day labor out here. Okay. So, and then as those, and then you're teaching the little ones, because you can homeschool them on basically this is how the family business operates. That's why I titled this podcast Angel Adams versus Angel Adams Family LLC. If uh, Angel Adams and her husband form an LLC, limited liability company. All right, every child can be a member. All right, and they have to do something. You got a two-year-old. Well, a two-year-old can earn their keep by licking envelopes or putting stamps on envelopes to send up accounts receivable bills out or what have you. There's something for everybody if they set up a landscape business or a home, a housekeeping business. Well, any business that I just say landscaping because that's super easy to start. 
You don't even have to own a, uh, what do you call it, a, um, a lawnmower. You know, you can lease those. Or you can find somebody who has it. It can be worked out. Out of eight, what, 17 children and two adults, 19 people, that's your brain trust. All right. They can easily earn over, let's see, 184000 a month times 12 months. That's over $2 million a year. Who in the hell needs, I was getting ready to say something else. <laughs> Who in the hell needs a social worker? We have got to stop effing around with government tax. Got to stop it. Anyway, that's my, my take on Angel Adams. Angel Adams and others like her need to start family-based businesses. Now, granted, you got to change the mindset here. You got to change the mindset. But that's what I'm saying. You get on YouTube, and, I mean, it, just as, if, if I can go on YouTube and find somebody that makes $485 a day as a lone wolf landscaper, so can share anybody else. And then as you build social capital from these people, learn from these people, your mindset is going to gradually change. And then as you share that information with your family, hopefully, now I'm, I'm telling you a sanitized version of this because we know in real life things have their own way of left turns, right turns, or what have you. But anyway, you teach the children, particularly the young children, because of, matter of fact, let's take a page out of the Chinese Americans. If you go into these Chinese restaurants, particularly the carryouts, those are family-based businesses. Some of those have young children there. You might see the, you see generations in there, all right, all preparing food or taking some part in the family business. Thing, so the, the little ones they're taking it in as osmosis. Then as they get a little bit older, you know, they can sweep up, wash dishes, take orders, pay bills, you know, get new accounts, you know. Because with a Chinese restaurant, the carryout part that we go to is just the tip of the iceberg because there's distribution behind that. I mean, because now I gave you Angel Adams family, they can earn over $2 million a year just cutting grass. I haven't gotten into they can sell other products along with it, other products and services. Like they can come out with their own custom line of lawnmowers and sell it to other landscapers, own brand of, of, of lawn equipment. They can do that. They can come out with their own brand of, uh, you know, fertilizers or whatever, private label type stuff. So they they can easily double the two to four million plus maybe five million doing other you know selling you know other services products and services with that. Just food for thought, and uh, I haven't been able to find her online. Um, I, I think I might do a short because Tampa's only 30 minutes away from me. I might make a trip down to Tampa and see if I can find a way, any way I can. But if not, like I said, we want to do a social experiment with her. Now, let's go to black women and some positive things that they're doing. 
Hi, welcome to this episode of Your Black World News. I'm your host, Roosevelt Mitchell III. Black women are the fastest growing entrepreneurs in the nation, starting businesses at six times the national average. The number of businesses owned by minority women has increased from 1.6 in 1997 to 1 1.3 in 2015, per the 2015 State of Women-Owned Business Report. Studies show that women tend to create home-based micro-businesses and personal service-based businesses while men starting businesses are entering construction and contracting fields. Washington, D.C. and New York, New York are reportedly two cities with high rates of black female entrepreneurship. African-American female entrepreneurs start their ventures with less funding than men. They also receive less money from private investors. In 2014, 36% of startups pitching to angels were women-led and 15% of these secured funding while 24% of firms presenting were minority-led, and of these, 16% received angel investments, according to the Center for Venture Research at the University of New Hampshire. But let's take a look at the breakdown of the numbers. 30% of all U.S. businesses women now own, 14% of all U.S. businesses controlled by black women, 9.4 million total number of firms owned by women, 1.3 million total number of firms owned by black women, over 297,000 workers employed, by black women-owned firms, over $52 billion generated by black women-owned firms. In addition to access to capital, access to influential networks and mentors are challenges facing women entrepreneurs in their growing businesses. Um, Amanda Brown, executive director of the National Women's Business Council, stated, one of the most remarkable entrepreneur trends in recent years is the phenomenal growth among black women. The number of firms skyrocketed. And employment and receipts are increasing too, but not nearly at the same rate. There's a lot more to this story, and we're excited to explore these important questions. So kudos to all the women out there who are business owners and to those who are contemplating starting their own businesses. I hope this serves as motivation that is not only possible, but necessary to start your own business in today's age. One of the great things Dr. Boyce Watkins has started is the Black Business School. So please check that out, the Black Business School, and you will see more black business owners, and you can join that fraternity or sorority, if you will. Um, but I would love to hear what you think about this, so please leave a comment in the section below. And until next time, my friends, be blessed and be encouraged. All right, so as you just heard, black women, African-American women are the fastest growing segment. And if we can get people like Angel Adams on board to form Angel Adams L a Family LLC or some derivative of that name, Angel Adams Family Inc., whatever they want to call it, they can go from welfare and entitlement programs. Now, like I say, it, it's it the most important thing has got to, as a matter of fact, the very first step is a mental shift. But that can be done through educating them if if they're if if she's open minded and some are because basically I mean we're all when we come onto this planet we're just, we're all blank slates so and more than likely I don't know like I, said, I don't know what backstory she was educated I'm assuming in the public school system and then in her comfort zone the what you hear from Angel Adams is basically, you know, we parrot out our environment. So we're here in our past environment. But I'm a big believer in uh, environment triumphs over heredity. So basically, if you switch her to a different environment, start hanging out with people 
who earn four eighty five a day. Start hanging out with those type of people and getting that type of information into your your mind and subconscious mind. Sooner or later, your habits will change over where you have four hundred and eighty five a day dollar habits will bring you money. But you're not going to get it from a government employee. And most of them are struggling. They're not going to get it, but she's got to be shown that. She's got to be shown that. All right? Some people might take it, you know, might might jump on board immediately. Uh, And others, um, others might not. But if they but if they're shown educated on how to do it, and then particularly if some of the older children, because all the kids, even the older ones, uh, if they see some concrete proof and it's all legal, then they'll be more prone to the idea of you know what, I rather work for the in a family business then get on welfare or something like that. But they've got to be active in it now. They've got to be active in it. In any event, if anybody's got any uh, suggestions for Angel Adams Family LLC, because um, she, I mean, basically I use landscaping, but because it, it, that's easy to get into. It can be in a home, what, uh, what housekeeping business, any gazillion business that, you know, they can get into. Um, because with the kind of money that they could generate within a 30-day period of time, they can also, um, with that many children, they're going to need adequate housing. And um, in Florida, well, anyway, actually, I would suggest they move to a rural area or a semi-rural. Actually, a rural area would probably be the best because it would be more affordable. Find a rural area and then get together for a group build. And uh, if they, meet, they need mentorship on that, and there's uh, their Amish communities not too far away from them in southwest Florida. I would build – if. I, Build some social capital with some Amish people. Um, like I say, it's all it's it's all a matter of developing some. Well, just like the nine friends, and I'm not going to play this audio today, but he made friends with his next door neighbors, who took an abandoned house and made it look brand new overnight. Angel Adams and her family of a total of 19, including her, can do the exact same thing. Now, you know, they'll, they'll need a little bit bigger place, but like I say, you can go to the Amish people, which, uh, like I say, is the Amish community not too far from them in southwest Florida. I'm pretty sure they can network with them and say, look, could you teach me? And then she teaches their children. I think Amish children typically they only go grades one through eight. That's it, and then it's the family business. Not all of them, 
But culturally speaking, Amish go grades one through eight. Most of them had to learn another language. Most of them had to learn English because their first language, a lot of them, is Pennsylvania Dutch, which is a derivative of the German language. And then they, while in school one through eight, they learn, you know, American English, standard English. And then, of course, they grow up because uh, in Amish and Mennonite communities, you know, they might be uh, furniture makers. Uh, some build hotels or motels. Um, many have farmers markets. Uh, quite a few, a millionaire families where the farmers market that which the family business might take in four or five million dollars a year. That's an Amish. So there's a Angel Adams. The way I see it. She has a potential, not as more than a gold mine. She's got an industry there that's untapped, untapped. Anyway, I like I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a looking for online. Haven't been able to find her yet. So, I, like I said, I might have to make a, might make you have to make a road trip to Tampa, Florida, to see if I can find her. If anybody uh, has um, any solutions on how Angel Adams and her family can make money, I'd like to hear it. And uh, hopefully Angel Adams will hear this podcast one day and she'll get some ideas. That's why I named the podcast like Angel Adams versus Angel Adams. Family LLC. If she hears this podcast or somebody that knows it, maybe this podcast can turn around. So if you got any suggestions, press one, call 619-768-2945. And offer any suggestions that you might have because it it really, they can become millionaires. The potential's right there. She done did the hard work having the children. Okay, now we got to get everybody educated, including her, on how to turn this around. Let's go to 410. Your mic is open. Uh, Brother L.A., how you doing? Fine. Good morning. Look, I I got to apologize to you and uh, Brother, the Honorable, is it Pleasant Pleasant Stephens? Yeah, Pleasant Stephens. Uh-huh. Uh, whenever I get a chance, but look, I'm gonna be sarcastic, and then I'm gonna give you a suggestion. You always try and give people what they're good at. Evidently, she's good at sex, um, and she's good at having children. Have her become a surrogate mother. They get good money for that. You know know what? That that is hey, that is a solution. And it is legal. Yeah, and she is fertile. You know, you. I mean, if you have what very fifteen children, very fertile. Yes. <laughs> so she could volunteer to be a surrogate mother. And look, I hope you don't take this the wrong way. And I'm being sarcastic, but since she loves sex, take her to the nearest uh, department store, get her dressed up. And take her around in the neighborhood and someone become her pimp and let her prostitute, prostitute herself out. But, you know, I'm just being really sarcastic. Right. You know, but that was look. sarcastic. But, 
the the surrogate mother. Now I don't I don't know how much they get paid, but let let's say I, I need to look online. But let's say somebody pays her. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what surrogate. Is. I can look that up. Somebody 10, online looked that up. How much surrogate? How much? I don't know. I was just guessing. You know, some people willing to pay pretty good money for that. You know. Well, there, they can't there are have people children. out here that do get paid <laughs> to have children, and it's all done above board, all legal, and that is a very good suggestion. It might not work for everybody, but it does. I mean, that's been people do that now, and they do it legal. So you're right. Yeah, that's yeah. another good suggestion. Uh, but, but now look, uh, brother Ellie. Uh, I looked that up while you were talking. She has what two or three older children? I think uh, she at has least two four. older children. Yeah, I think but she look, uh, at least two, maybe two. Yeah. yeah, two things that goes to show you uh, the the failure of our black families. Uh, I mentioned to you, I guess, in some earlier cast, and I I got to look it up. <clears throat> Chinese families and Arab families. I don't know if she has any brothers and sisters or not, and cousins. And I've been trying to suggest this uh, to our family reunions. Everybody, most of the time, is working or either on entitlement programs. They do get money. And the thing is, she has those kids there. Evidently, she's going to need to do something to make sure that she gets those kids off to work, I mean off to school, and she's there when they come back. If she has that many children, and you suggested this with the churches, she should be able to cook. If not, somebody in that family, her brothers, sisters, cousins, ever what have you, should be able to cook. And that type of person, I know every family has them, that gets misguided and, and gets in a rut and creates a bad situation for themselves. These foreign families, most of the time, say, look, she ain't wrapped too tight, but we can have her cook make some sandwiches, and make sure that those sandwiches are real effective and go out and get the type of uh, containers that you need. You can get them from the wholesale store. Make those sandwiches and go out to construction sites for those guys that need to have lunch or ever what have you that don't bring lunch. Make sure you have them in a type of container that can keep them cool. Go to the wholesale house or either go to CVS when they have those sodas on special. You can get most of the time the average is out about nineteen twenty five cents a can. And go around to these different construction sites. She's in Tampa. And right. see who wants to buy a sandwich. Now she has to be clean. I, I don't know how clean she is, but you know, if if the relatives get in on this and want to help their sister or brother out or their cousin, that's in a rut. Say, look. You got yourself in this mess, but we're going to help you out. And the thing is, we're going to supply it. If you got food stamps, let's go to the wholesale house. Let's go and get the type of meats that you can use and, and cut and do what you need to do. 
and make you some hot dogs and make you some sandwiches and sell them cheap because I don't know where you are, but the last time I checked, I, you know, it's been so long since I've done this because I have done this. If you get a 10-pound bag of hot a 10-pound box of hot dogs, they average out about, what, 5, 10 cents a hot dog. Okay. Well, if you sell a hot dog for 50, 60 cents, and you get those little packets of mustard mayonnaise or whatever what it is. The average guy that goes the hardest of McDonald's or either these fast food joints, he's going to pay about, what, a buck sixty or something like that. And yeah, you go out and you say, look. They got a dollar menu, but a Big Mac meal is going to cost you at least $5. Yeah, you go and say, well, look, I got a bag of chips here. I got a soda and a hot dog. Or either I got a lunch of meat sandwich, I got a sliced beef sandwich, whatever what have you. Give me a buck fifty. I'm quite sure somebody at that wholesale that uh construction site is gonna bark at that because I know a woman in Baltimore when we used to set up at flea markets. She used to do uh these uh sub sandwiches. Uh-huh. Every Friday night she'd go in and make as many sandwiches as she could. And she come out there to us merchants, and she sell those sandwiches for a buck fifty. And if you wanted a, a bag of chips, she sell them to you for a buck, a buck fifty, uh, two dollars. And that woman right. made a living out of it, just going around to these different places where people are working outdoors. And the thing is, she made a living out of it. I mean, she didn't have to work. All she did was those Friday nights, Saturday nights. And she didn't come out there on Sundays. But the thing is, that's what she did, and she was able to make a living out of it. And 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 if you want to really get into it, if black families were really together, I had a thing where my wife couldn't find a job when I first moved into the Maryland area. And I was raised in retail. And, you know, during that conversation with uh, Pleasant Steffens, the Honorable Pleasant Steffens, uh, I was also trained in distribution, too. But what happened is my wife kept saying she couldn't find a job. So I said, you know what? I'm going to put old sister to work here. I went and found me a building in the inner city. And I went in and got the shelving. And I got all my license, and I went to the health department and got it inspected and everything else. And I put up a corner store. And the mm-hmm. thing is, I put my I put a bulletproof shield in there uh, around the cash register to make sure she could do ever you know she if she got robbed ever what have you you know she wouldn't get hurt. I put the lottery tickets right. in there, and the thing is, I had an EBT machine in there where um, you could use your food stamps, and also I used that same machine uh, because I had the company to let me do. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, ATM services. Okay. And the thing is, what I did was uh, anybody that wanted to come in there, uh, the kids in the neighborhood would come in there and get their candies and they get their sandwiches and all of that stuff. And everybody that wanted the lottery tickets would get the lottery tickets. And I averaged, after all the um, expenses were paid, I averaged about $60,000 a year. And I was able okay. to, well, after my wife saw what was happening, you know, the thing is, it was her money then, you know, it was a great idea, but I had to put her to work. And, if, you know, for families that are struggling, I was able to set that up because I was making good money anyway. 
But for families right. that are struggling, your cousins, your nephews, your brothers and sisters, that's where black folks miss the mark. We're always looking at a lone wolf solution. Like you said, the lone wolf always starves to death. And the thing right. is, if they wanted to help their mother, they, they sister out with those 13 here, the kids, hey, look, you may not have smarts enough as far as your social life is concerned, but you can count money. And the thing is, we're going to put a business around you to go in and make sure you can support those 13 children. And we're going to make sure you count that money right. But the thing is, we don't want you out here begging and making a fool out of yourself like you're doing now. And that's what that's right. the solution I have because I have done this. And the thing is, it has worked for me. And I've seen another person do it as good as selling sandwiches. And, look, you got to be careful because the thing is, you know, when you're dealing with food, you gotta have you gotta do health standards, but this woman used to do it on the side. And look, I'm gonna end with this. My father said, if you're gonna go in business, try and get in the food business because it'll do three things for you. It'll make you a living and make you some money. He says if that first option fails, it'll pay for itself while you're trying to increase the business to make money. And he said if those first two options fail you can eat while you're trying to figure out to do something else. And I've always used that as my will going in business is always the food business. Because the thing is, those three things are working the food business. And if you notice, most of those farmers, that's what they go in when they move in our neighborhoods, they go in the food business. And I'll oh, yeah, like, entertain like, all uh, the other together. You're, you're absolutely right. Um Asians have done it. I mean, all you know, uh, Koreans done it, Chinese done it, Japanese done it. Great suggestion. The uh, with Angel Adams, for a surrogate, a surrogate mother earns anywhere, depending on I guess who she contracts with in this country, anywhere from forty-two thousand to seventy-five thousand dollars on average for being a, a, a surrogate. You know, having a child, a, a couple that wants it. So, like he said, that That's is an good. option, and it is legal. And then the sandwich and thing, the food thing is, is, is good too, because I know of um, if you go to certain Home Depots and Lowe's in the parking lot, you will see a. Uh, I've seen my share of Latino ladies pull up in a um, what do you call it uh, a station wagon, a station wagon, and she's she's selling sandwiches, and she 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 earns a living from that. Some, you know, they get a truck. You know uh, that has a kitchen on it, and, and they they can you know serve a little bit more food. But uh, I, I've seen my share of station wagons in the parking lot of Home Depots and Lowe's, and they got a clientele there. They, they're serving lunch to the day labor people. That some got picked up, some got just coming back, but they're earning a living that way, just like you said, making sandwiches and selling them. And I guess. Like you said, they go to some place uh, wholesale. They might start out at the dollar store buying, you know, drinks and sips for the workers. But then they go to some place and then they they buy all that stuff wholesale so they can make more profit that way. So that's something that a, a, a person like Angel Adams and her family or others in a similar position can do. Once they change that mindset, because like I said, the mindset you, you got to have that shift first so you can see the opportunities uh, in front of you. 
Let's go to 773. Your mic is open. <laughs> good morning, fellas. Good morning to the audience. Well, I was sitting here listening at you. I was looking at what I was looking at and uh, doing a little penciling. One of the cheapest businesses that you can go into is selling popcorn. You can, and you don't even have to have anything but the stove at home. You can start selling bags of popcorn for a dollar. All you have to do is to find where there's a, to find out where there's a group of people that's going down the street, walking down the street, having an event anywhere that you find a crowd of people. A lot of people do have popcorn, and you just you start your that, business that, from there. You're right. That's another idea. She makes some uh, good flavored popcorn. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. That that's a real simple business to do. Yeah, you can't get much better than that. And I've seen people just take one of those little baskets, fill it up with popcorn, and bag bag it up, the little bag, and fold the top of it. And when a person comes by, they get a dollar, 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 dollar. And you get 100 people to buy a bag of popcorn, and just the cost of producing it, you make yourself $50, $60 a day. If it takes all day to do it. It's better than sitting on your back. You know, another business along with that popcorn business is selling water. You know, selling water during rush hour. Because I've been in some places where, you know, the heat was just sweltering. And stop at a traffic light, and I was just, it was like answer prayer. Somebody was selling water. I said, look, give me four. Let me, tell you about that water deal. Let me tell you about that water deal. A couple of guys walked to my office one day a couple of years ago, and they were looking for a job. And they asked me, did I have a job? I said, no, but I can tell you how to create a job. And uh, one of them said, how do you create a job? I said, you have to have $10. And the other one said, I don't have $10. So one of my members said, you don't have $10, and he going to show you how to create a job. He said, yeah, I, I, you know, let me see how I create a job. He gave him $10. He said, I'm going to give you this $10. I'm going to front you. I'm going to give you this $10. <laughs> now he said, what do I do with it? I said, first thing you do is you go buy a, a, 24, 24 case of case of water. Then you go right across the street over there and buy a bag of ice. And then you go right to the Walgreens and you get a, uh, one of those styrofoam coolers. And you mix the water and the cooler together. And you go down there on the corner where you see all these people walking up down the street. And you sell the water for a dollar. I said, you got $8 invested in selling the water. And now you're going to sell the water for for uh, a dollar a dollar a bottle. I said, you're going to make yourself $20-some dollars. He said, what? About two weeks later, they came back by the office and said, where is that, where is that old man at that owned this place? And I was sitting back there behind my desk, and I said, here I am. He says, we will never be jobless again. <laughs> yeah. No, they went to work. 
and with ten dollars, and they gave the ten dollars and another ten dollars to the guy that fronted them. Sure did. They gave they gave a hundred percent return to the my uh, my my member for for giving them ten dollars to get started in business. Now, how much how much better can you have it? And with seventeen kids, my God, she got a gold mine, a gold mine. And she better not lay on the back to know it's a monkey. A person like Angel Adams, uh, this family. Now, let's talk. She could, some of those kids could sell water. You know, there's the water division. There's the uh, landscaping division. Uh, Candy? Yeah, and let's say she don't have any more kids, but she's had 17. She can start a business advising women. She can give her own Lamaze class classes, you know, because there are women out there that you know that are women of means that will, yeah. hey, you know, she's got experience in having children, so there are women yeah. of means that will pay her. And how did you get through it? Yeah, you know, she can be a de facto a support team. So, like I say, she she's a walking many industries. Uh, and, and whatnot. Uh, but like I say, it, it, it um, and there can be a mind shift. Now, it might not come right away because, like I say, it, we all come here with a blank slate. So her, no, her no. thinking <laughs> is a result of her comfort zone. So all if all you hang around with people that are life owes me a living or whatever, you're going to think that way. However, if you change your comfort zone and start hanging around with the Pleasant Stephens or the Connie Beasley or anybody who's listening to this podcast, you start hanging around with people like that, your thinking will gradually change. Sometimes it can instantaneously change. I had that happen to me one time in my life. Uh, I was over, matter of fact, I was over in Germany. And... Um, I was at a birthday party that I didn't even want to go to, and I'm glad I went to that birthday party. And this guy held up a little pellet, um, and that was my introduction to renewable energy. Anyway, I went back home that night, looked up. Matter of fact, I never even heard of the term renewable energy. And but I but so that was like 45 days into this European trip. And I was living around the live wind fields and the solar panels and, you know, using the tankless hot water heaters to do flush. I was using all that stuff. But it, it didn't click. And then when I saw a heating bill for $50 for the entire year, this is a journey when it gets real cold in the wintertime. All right. It was like Buddha under the Bodai tree. Instantaneously, my mind, I was enlightened. It could happen like that for Angel Adams or anybody. You know, it just all depends. For me, it took somebody showing me a little pellet of uh, basically compressed wood, which they use to heat their home. That, along with seeing that 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 utility bill. That that's what did it for me. I had a like you, enlightenment in one. You, you know what I've seen. 
You know what I've seen, you man. You know what I've seen, man, mm-hmm. in Chicago. What's I've that? seen guys make money washing automobile window of stop sign. I've seen them make money going door to door, asking people. To, I had guys coming to my door uh, asking me to wash my windows. It is all kinds of ways to make money. You have no business of being hungry and homeless in this country. None. Because there's too many outlets for you to make money. And you got to have bird sets. You got to store your money for the winter in, if you're living in Chicago. You got to have some kind of squirrel sense if you're living in Chicago not to be homeless and not to be hungry. And that uh, that avails you right now all over the country. Depending well, on the climate you're in. People have relied on, well, we look at all sorts of information because, you know, if the parents don't know, you might not know. Then, you know, a lot of, you know, 100 years ago or so, um, 150 plus years ago, a lot of people homeschooling. You still got people that homeschooling that's on the rise now. But public school and even a lot of private schools, including your higher institutes of learning like the Ivy League schools, a lot of them do not, they're not designed to teach you how to be self-sufficient, how to start your own business. I mean, an MBA, Masters of Business Administration, really doesn't teach you how to start your own business. It gives you some hints on how to run somebody else's business, but not get your own. And then some people go with, matter of fact, I would say public schools, which are basically state, they're state funded, basically indoctrinate you to work for the state. And that's where well, a lot of people just get caught up. Caught with, so when you take somebody like an Angel Adams that will go to, um, you know, you know the government, you know, he's been indoctrinated that most of their comfort zone has. And then when you go to, um, uh, like I said, that's why I played that audio. With the guy. Matter of fact, that 45 a day from, a, and he's just one person. And then it's suggesting that you didn't kind of, kind of about to open your mic again. Um, well, these you, suggest the typical social workers—they're not on that wavelength. Well, you, I, and Bianchi, we got to set up a school system so that we can go around the country teaching this. I'm going to suggest something. Sometime or the other, in the near future, maybe sometime next year, we got to figure out a way to get a bus and go from every poor community to poor community and teach people how to go into business because it's not been done, it hasn't been done, and if we just do five a week, we're doing fine. And that don't take but about two and a half hours a day. Because we you can go what? to the that's a, That's an excellent idea. I'm going to tell you why. The reason why you have a lot of drug dealers out here, I, don't, I haven't seen it, because open air drugs during crack era, during the New Jack era, the Dick City era, that like, some people go to a Mary Kay meeting. Some people go to... A Amway meeting. Those are opportunity meetings. Well, in a lot of these poor areas that you're talking about, Pleasant, 
the only business opportunity to this day that some people have been exposed to is selling drugs or being in some type of gang where there's violence going on. Yeah. So you're right. That is an excellent idea. Go around to some of these impoverished areas and have opportunity meetings on, because like you can't get no simpler than selling water. You, you can get no. a settler's license. You can sell, you know, some Latinos, they'll be in, a lot of them don't beg now. If you sell them, if you see them selling uh, flowers, some might have a permit and some might. But that is an excellent idea. I, I'm all on board on that. Before we run out of time, let's go back to 410. County your mic is open. Uh, yeah, I, w- I want to say good morning to the Honorable Pleasant Stephens, I believe it is. And uh, I want to also say this. Uh, when I had that store in Baltimore, uh, in order to uh, attract customers, it was on a street corner. And uh, what I did, I sold snow cones because they were real big in Baltimore. If this lady has those kids, I'm quite sure the other kids in the community, all she has to do is get a cheap snow cone machine, go and get the ice and a cooler, and get her flavors. And uh, I'm quite sure it's hot down there in Tampa. Uh, that's another way that she could do something while she's, you know, trying to figure out something else. And look, I used to sell those snow cones, a dollar for the small cups, $2 for the medium cups, and $3 for the extra large cups. And uh, that used to add quite a bit to my, uh, my cash register. I was already doing good with the lottery tickets and all the other stuff in the store and the sodas and stuff, but you'd be surprised and what you can do is just a simple thing like a snow cone machine. And they don't cost much. And the thing is, like uh, the Honorable Pleasant Stephen said, you'd be surprised at the little things that you can do because I had an old man that came into my community before I went up to uh, Maryland. He used to go around to the barber shops every Saturday morning and sell little bags of peanuts, fresh roasted peanuts for a buck. And uh, that man never stayed broke. In fact, uh, when he died, the people were surprised at the money he made just going around to beauty parlors and, and barbershops selling those little bags of peanuts. So, And look, out of a 50-pound bag of uh, peanuts, if you roast them in the oven and do what you need to do to roast them out and cook them, you'd be surprised at the little bags that you can get out of a 50-pound bag of peanuts. And the bags don't cost that much, but it's simple things that makes the money. It's not a complicated thing like you said before, like you learned in college and all, going through with your business plan and all of this foolishness. You have to sell little simple things that people are willing to buy and they can put in their hands. And I'll uh, just get off. Yeah, thank you, Connie. Matter of fact, you know what? I I have not seen, not to say that, all of the towns I've been in, in Florida, I haven't seen anybody sell snowballs. I know that's popular in Baltimore. Even in D.C., which is not that far away from Baltimore, I I haven't run across nobody selling snowballs in D.C. But from what I can tell, Florida would be a wide open, at least the Tampa Bay area, a wide open market to sell snowballs, and those, like you said, that's inex. They sell, they're affordable to everybody, and it gets started in that. So that that's an excellent idea. 
um, uh, for her to start in Pleasant. I, I like that idea of um, um, going into these impoverished areas and um, educated. Matter of fact, there's a guy, he's got quite a few videos on YouTube, a guy named Jay Morrison. He's out of Atlanta. Uh, and he'll tell you, he, he, you know, he was locked up a couple of times with like drug possession, dropped out of high school, whatever. Uh, um, but then he got into real estate and, um, just a long story short, cause he's got a gazillion videos on YouTube and he's been on a today show and all that. Uh, he was doing, uh, he still might do them. He would go to certain areas and give like corner seminars on, Educating people on how to get into real estate investing. And I think he raised like he did a he said he had um, I think he put together a real uh, he's called the Tulsa Real Estate Trust, which uh, he had to get it registered to the Securities Exchange Commission. And uh, I think that was a two year process he put that together. But he this within a month or so ago he raised like. Something like four million bucks in a week. Uh, yeah. But that's investment capital, people. Now that that, but still, here's the guy. He was he was doing stuff, and a lot of his clientele came. I'm imagining came from a lot of those street workshops that he gave, which he has a bunch of those on uh, YouTube. So on that note, uh, hopefully. Um, Angel Adams was formed, Angel Adams Family LLC. On that note, everyone have a good rest of the day.